It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 853 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, December the 24th. Happy Christmas Eve out there, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors, as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers. It is so appreciated when you take the time to check that out and subscribe and rate and review, not just to this show, but to all of the Lockdown shows that we have. For example, if you want the lowdown on the game from yesterday, go listen to Locked On Pelicans uh, in addition to this episode with Jake Madison. You heard Jake on yesterday's episode of this podcast. He's great, and I highly recommend you listen because he looks like Jose Calderon, and he's got good vibes. So uh, go support the shows on the network that you want to support. It's much appreciated. All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors are below 500 for the first time since January 7th, 2014. The world is ending after a 113-99 loss to the New Orleans Pelicans in the season opener last night. And joining me to break it all down, no one I'd rather have here for a game breakdown episode than our pal Big V, Big CBC, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Not too stressed about the loss. Obviously, I have some things to figure out, but it's just nice to have the season started and get all these games underway. Like even, you know, after this game, caught the end of the Celtics-Bucks game, and after that, caught mm-hmm. the, uh, both the the Kings and Nuggets, and then uh, Mavs Sun. So it's just nice to have basketball back. Mavs Suns was great. I'm going to love the hell out of the Suns this year, yep. man. They are so fun, and I think they're going to be awesome because apparently all of their like second-tier players can now dribble and score, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Like Shout-out to Cam Johnson and Mikal Bridges. That's a pretty damn good 3-4 to have. Either way, we're not here to talk about the Suns just yet. We're here to talk about the Raptors, who again fell 113.99 last night. Uh, let's start off the way we usually start these off. Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' season opener? Well, so the biggest takeaway, I think the funny thing is we're going to look at it and think, okay, how does that relate to what's coming up this season and what to expect this season? So Mm -hmm. uh, the one that carries over from last season is the inability to get to the free throw line. I think that was a big takeaway for me where uh, the starting lineup only got to the line four times. And I think Mm -hmm. that will be something that I'll pay attention to going forward. Kyle Lowry, I thought, did a really good job of getting to the line last season, and there wasn't really anyone else alongside him. So 
if he's not getting to the line, then who's going to step up to the plate? So that was my biggest takeaway. You can look at the defense, obviously, uh, but I'll, I'll go with the free throw line for me. Yeah, that was certainly uh, a thing, and I think kind of carried over some of the concerns from the last preseason game against the Heat, where they put up like 59 threes and then didn't get to the rim a ton, and obviously when you don't get to the rim a ton, you're not going to get a ton of free throw attempts. I, you know, there might have been a bit of a dodgy whistle on a couple chances here and there. You know, Pascal, I think early on, had that and one opportunity that got turned into a uh, foul on the floor, which I think was kind of a bad call with Zion uh, picking up the foul there. Right. Kyle, I thought, did a good job of driving in this game. You know, he kind of did the thing, you know, frankly, I think he probably would have done it more if it was more than just the first preseason game after a shortened offseason during which they relocated to a new country and city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like we would have seen a little bit more of what he did in the playoffs last year where, okay, the offense is kind of struggling. I'm just going to drive and throw my ass into somebody and score. Saw it a couple times here and there. It wasn't a thing he went to over and over again. And I think they were looking for some other sources of offense in that fourth quarter in particular. But... You know, I think that'll come a little bit. I expect Kyle to be good at getting to the line. Not great, but good. And, you know, I guess it was nice that Norm got to the line a bunch, mostly because every time he got to the line, it was because uh, he was kind of like out of control on a fast break. And mercifully, the Pelicans fouled him <laughs> as opposed to letting him brick it off the off the backboard. But, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm with you. I think that's certainly a concern if you're looking at sort of the construction of this team and where offense is coming from finding efficient, easy offense is not going to be easy, much like it wasn't for last year's team. And it's going to be even more difficult this year when you don't have like Serge Ibaka to just throw it to and Marcus Gasol to help create things with 10 seconds left on the clock. That said, I, I, I think there's, I had some encouraging takeaways from what we saw from this game. You know, be, classic me, find the, <laughs> the th- things that were good from a game. But That it's, was a nice series of tweets game. after the game yesterday. Yeah. Just- Right. Everything yeah. is like, fine. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Relax, man. And, and yeah, so my biggest takeaway from this game is I think the most important thing, which is Pascal looked really good. Mm. And that was the biggest concern from the bubble. That was the reason the Raptors couldn't get past the Celtics in round two. How many times have we said if he was playing 80% of what he was before the shutdown, they'd probably beat the Celtics and move on in that game seven and maybe beat the Heat because they were a pretty decent matchup for them. And so. Pascal comes in, bit of a weird preseason where he kind of just took all threes, and it was a bit more distributed in terms of where his shots came from in this one. He was driving, he was taking pick and rolls and, and turning them into drives and, and, and using the leverage of Aaron Bain's screens in a really effective way. He himself was screening a little bit in the fourth quarter, probably not enough because they score every time he does screen, and I wish they would do it more, but got a couple opportunities where I believe once he kind of dove and uh, found, I want to say, OG or Baines under the basket. Might have been both on back-to-back possessions, now that I think about it. And then he had a little uh, turnaround, sort of Chris Boucher style, catch it on the short roll, turn around, no one's there, and hit the mid-ranger. And beyond that he just he looked comfortable he had confidence with his three-point shot we talked about him not having the toe tap anymore he it seemed like that's kind of gone um three of seven from three that was nice to see he was eager to drive even on zion and and steven adams who were two beefy dudes he was totally fine with it and i just thought he looked really comfortable his playmaking was kind of at the level that we saw before the shutdown if you think back to that jazz game the last game before covid hit he i think had six assists in that game too or maybe five assists and was really i think finding his rhythm as a passer on the drive and kick out of post-ups and all sorts of situations and we saw it again 
in this game. So I don't know, Vivek, were you equally as encouraged as I was about Pascal's 26 and six on eight of 17 night? Because I came away feeling really, really good that, you know, he and the other best player on the team, Kyle Lowry, both looked really good. And I I feel like everything else would kind of fall into place if those guys are playing as well as they did last night. Yeah, I was really encouraged watching Pascal when I saw that initial pull-up three that he had in transition where he was able to rise up just so smoothly. The shot looks so pure, uh, mm-hmm. the stroke. And if he can make that three consistently, it's going to make a huge difference. And, you know, last season, I think, you know, again, I go back to the bubble. I think for some people it was just a weird experience. I genuinely think it was something was off with Pascal there. He wasn't himself. He said that. And now, you know, hopefully he can go back to being the player he was pre-bubble. And the really encouraging thing for me was the playmaking. And that was, again, I've alluded to this before. It looked like the Pascal right before the bubble, that West Coast trip where he was going up against, you know, the Jazz and the Warriors and the Kings, and he was picking out his teammates. And it looked eerily similar to that. So if the shot's there, I'm very encouraged. The drive game is something that, especially late, you know, it's like, hey, can you get us a bucket? Again, that's going to be something that you're going to have to look at. I would have liked to actually see him uh, go into that mid-range a bit more because he had that nice sort of pull-up uh, in the first half. And I thought maybe mm-hmm. there were a couple opportunities where, hey, just just pull up and get yourself that mid-range. And there's going to be that dependence, right? When the Raptors go into those lulls, it, they've got to be able to look at Pascal and say, okay, just go get us a bucket. And Mm -hmm. he's, I mean, one of those runs where, uh, I mean, I guess you you can't really call uh, call it stymied because the Pelicans came down the other end and scored, but uh, (laughs) at least, you know, there was that one opportunity where he just took the ball full court and got to the rim. And then the next one he drove uh, from the three point corner and was able to kick it out for a good look. So things like that, I want to see more of that assertiveness to control certain moments and say, hey, the game's not going to get away from us here. Totally. And I thought he also showed some some nice handles in this one and kind of improved tighter handle, at least in like close quarters. Mm-hmm. I think there was that play in the first half where he was kind of posting up. He was kind of like losing it a little bit. I think he fell and slipped. The floor seemed a little bit slippery. Um, he ended up regaining himself and then just kind of like, you know, dipsy dude around, I think, Zion and scored pretty easily. It was like, oh, OK. I didn't realize he could handle it out of trouble that way. Then, of course, you know, I think one of the turning point plays in the game I think it was in the third quarter if I'm not mistaken it might have been in the fourth when they were trying to mount to come back but he comes down and like dribbles it off his foot for no reason on the right wing and there's a turnover and a bucket and it's like okay that that's the stuff you want to be gone but uh, I'll take one or two bad instances of Pascal every day if you're going to get all of the good stuff there was in this one I thought he was really really impressive and kind of uh, calmed the nerves a little bit about whether or not the bubble was going to carry over. He looks pretty right to me, and that is a good thing if you are the Raptors. Uh, I want to continue on here, Vivek, and go into um, a a segment that we're going to call Uh-Oh or Eh. 
know where I throw a few things from this game at you and you tell me if you're terribly concerned about them or if it's not a big deal at all. Of course, the eh, no will cover that ground. Um, so that's going to come up in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends at betonline.ag. It is really the only place that you should trust with betting on sports, whether it's for NFL games. The postseason is coming up very soon. You've got the college bowl game season uh, ramping up as well. Plus, the NBA is is kicking off. There are 13 games last night. I bet on four of them in a parlay. It was a lot of fun. Go to betonline.ag today. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus it is a lot of fun, man. I, I just, you know, it's just little tiny bets. That's kind of how I've been operating on there right now. But it's it's a good time. You throw three bucks down on a four-team parlay, you're going to, like, triple your money. And it's a little fun, low-stakes gambling. Or you can do higher stakes if you want to as well, again, on all of the sports that you care about. NHL futures are up there right now. Of course, they'll have MLB and all that stuff covered as well as baseball draws nearer too. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, uh, just everybody a heads up. There will be no episode on Friday because of Christmas, but Monday we'll be back and we will talk about Raptors Spurs, which goes down on Saturday. So be back with us on Monday for another full week of shows next week. All right, let's play. Uh-oh or eh, no, a wonderful segment I've crafted in my brain. Uh, I'm frankly very proud of the of the wording and the verbiage that I've attached to it here. Uh, so let's continue on before I talk too much about myself. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, take some things from this game. I'll throw them to you. You tell me if you're concerned or not. So, number one, Aaron Baines and his lack of chemistry with Kyle Lowry and kind of with the Raptors offense. It seemed kind of okay in the first half. Second half was pretty clunky. Um, some just kind of mistimed passes, misaimed passes, and it was a little bit iffy in the fourth quarter. The offense with Baines on the floor didn't really hum all that well. Are you concerned about Aaron Baines? Sorry, I have to ask you the question. Is Aaron Baines' lack of chemistry an uh-oh or an no. Uh no. I think hell yeah. When you look at his screen setting, that was the biggest positive. The way he was able to free up Kyle, the way he was able to free up Pascal, I think those are things uh that are going to be really important this season. And the other stuff I think will come along, including shot recognition. There were maybe a couple of threes where you don't like the situation in which he's taking them. And those are things I think will come along over time. You'll understand his role in the offense better. He'll understand where guys are supposed to be, where guys are going to be. Uh, that that's just something that's going to take with that's going to come with experience of playing with everyone. So, no, mm-hmm. I'm not too worried. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's an uh, no as well. You know, Kyle Lowry will find chemistry with his big man. It's going to happen. He's played two games so far. <laughs> it's uh 
It's not something I'm terribly worried about. And I think Baines offers some nice little layers of offense that the Raptors haven't really had with the bigs with the big since Jonas, frankly, where, you know, you had that, you know, short roll kind of push shot that we saw Baines put up from like the free throw line. Um, you know, he's had a couple little post ups and things like that where he's got that little turnaround and little flip shots here here and there. It's a nice little repertoire he has around the basket. And he's also pretty good, I think, at just like finding space when helpers go to a Pascal or an OG or whatever and kind of waiting for those dump off passes. It seems like there's going to be some pretty good big to big chemistry between Pascal and Baines, which is nice. I, you know, I think you could maybe express a bit of concern about the defensive side of the ball, perhaps. But I think that's also probably just a chemistry thing that hasn't quite clicked in. There were, I mean, most of the time he did a pretty good job, I think, of kind of tracking back. He does this thing where he runs backwards, like, very quickly, and he, like, somehow (laughs) maintains his balance. It's like a pretty good cheat for covering ground, I guess. I don't know. It it looks all right to me. There were a couple couple possessions where I think he hedged a little high, and he kind of got caught, and then, like, Steven Adams would slip to the basket pretty much unguarded. But I think they'll figure that stuff out and maybe realize that Aaron Baines should not be tracking out beyond the three-point line to go and uh, corral a ball handler. So, And that's the one thing I'll add yeah. to that, right? Like, I'm yeah. saying it's not a worry in the context of I know I'm not expecting him to be a Marcus All. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's certain things that, frankly, you know, in the offense and defense that He's just not going to be able to read or uh, not be able to do in the way that Marcus all did. So those yeah. expectations just shouldn't be there. I will say, I think it's maybe worth looking at his minute total from last night and the 28. I feel like that's pushing the high end for him. His career high is 22.2. He's 34 years old. He is a limited player in you know the context of all of this. And so, I wonder if they try to get in a little bit more Len. He didn't play at all last night, but I would not be uh, totally against that. And then Boucher was really nice. He had 12 points. He was 6 of 8. He was all over the place, uh, just being fun. And I like that quite a bit. Maybe they're okay with Boucher at center. I don't know. But uh, the 28 minutes, you know, I was kind of, like, stressed out about it when he played, like, 16 first-half minutes or something crazy like that. And it's like, oh, how are they going to, like, balance this out? Because he is not a plus 30-minute player. Um, so that'll be a thing. The backup minutes might be an issue this year, but we'll see how that progresses and see if that is a uh-oh or eh, no down the line. Uh, let's move on to OG Ananobi. The Vivek, he was pretty bad on offense in this game. You could argue that the stretch where he missed every open three he got, and boy, they were open in the third, was what kind of sewered the Raptors in this game. Eight points, eight boards, two assists, three steals and two blocks because he's a maniac, which is great. Uh, four or ten from the field, kind of only scored on dunks and around the basket. Uh, I think the thing that really stood out to me from this one is that OG's driving game is... Uh, mm-hmm not what you want (laughs) I think he was I think a little bit ahead of himself he kind of kicked it away a couple times and just did not seem to have much of a plan when he was driving are you concerned at all about OG's overall offensive game and improvement and trajectory for this season after one game is his offense an uh uh-oh or an eh no this isn't even an eh no this is a clear no for me uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not worried about OG. You, when you look at the three point shot, you expect that to come around. He's been a good shooter since he's been in the league. So I absolutely expect that to come around. Uh, I'm encouraged that he's getting open looks. And frankly, Nick Nurse touched on this a bit. There were a few plays where the Raptors missed out on him, where he could have got himself some easy ones. And uh, mm-hmm. 
including the first play of the game where he could have got himself a layup, uh, he was missed. And so if the floor for OG is almost a double-double with three steals and two blocks, then I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I am with you too. And also, I think you want to be seeing him making mistakes with the ball in his hands at this point of the season. That's the only because... way he's going to get better. Exactly. Like, the leap just doesn't happen out of thin air. Like, it takes practice and reps and fucking up sometimes. And I think you can't have it both ways where you want OG to be this, like, dependable role player who's going to hit his shots and, you know, not make mistakes and kind of be a bit of a pillar out there while also wanting him to make a leap into being a fringe all-star because it just doesn't work that way. You're going to have to have him take some lumps with the ball in his hands. And I think we talked about this or might've been with, with Joe Wolfond or I can't remember. There's so many podcasts who knows, but you know, we talked about how OG was, you know, you're kind of, if, if you're looking at this season, what is success and is it, you know, getting a bunch of wins and racking up as many wins as possible, or is it developing your guys as best you can? And I think, frankly, considering that this is a fact-finding season in a lot of ways to kind of figure out what to do with all the space and flexibility you have next summer, I think figuring out exactly the limits of OG's game is kind of a priority for me over wins. And I think they're going to win a ton of games anyway, because Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry and OG is quite good along with everybody else. But you're going to need to have some games like this where he kind of tests himself, learns, and maybe down the line he slows it down a little bit when he gets the ball in his hands and he's kind of going full force with a head of steam. And eventually he'll have a plan as opposed to last night where he very clearly did not. You just, you're not going to get that growth unless he has some room and runway to mess up here and there. And because this is a transitional slight step back season, maybe he should get all of that runway and it's not a concern. It would be a concern to me if he was just standing in the corner and only taking, you know, spot up threes and not doing anything else, frankly. So yeah, I know it is a hard no for me too. I can't emphasize the point about his need to get reps enough and mm -hmm. You know, we can talk about how nice Pascal's shot looks in this opening game and how much his three-point shot has come around over the years. Let's not forget that season where Pascal missed like 25 threes in a row. He basically yeah. didn't make a three for a <laughs> month. And yeah. you, that's part of the journey to getting to where you want a guy to be. And if OG has the equivalent of that uh, as far as his drive game is concerned, I think he'll be better for it. And, you know, obviously you hope that it doesn't take that long or that the struggle isn't that big. But mm -hmm. if it's part of the process and part of his journey to get to the caliber of player many seem to think he can be, then that's something you just have to go through. Absolutely. So I think we're in agreement there. Let's move on to one where I think maybe there will be some concern, some actually earnest concern. Uh, Norman Powell. Boy, he was uh, not good in the opener. 12 points, 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. Saved himself a bit at the line, 7 of 8. Uh, just a rebound, an assist, and a steal. Minus 13, 4 fouls. Uh, let, let me just ask you, the concept of Norman Powell's 6th man, uh-oh or eh, no? Actually, this one's a pretty clear no for me as well. Okay. Because I, I just think the COVID protocols messed him up. And the fact that he didn't mm -hmm. have a positive test, but he still couldn't practice with the team and he had to sit out and wait. And then he's cleared two hours before the game. I, I really think that messed with him. And, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I lean towards giving him the benefit of the doubt. Last year, he was, he was really consistent. Let's be honest about it. And I think he's emerged as a real leader for this team, especially off the bench. I think that's going to be an important role that he has. I know people are leaning towards trading him. And so I'll say, you know, for uh, however long that he's on the team, I think that's going to be an important aspect that he brings to the team. We talked about getting to the line. He was one of the few that was able actually able to do it. So mm-hmm. there are strengths that he brings, uh, unique strengths uh, that he brings to the table. And I, I would expect a better performance from him going forward. Yeah, I, I am not quite on like uh oh territory. I would say I'm sort of I'm gonna add a third uh like option to this game on the fly because I'm the boss. I can do it. <laughs> hmm. Hmm is my <laughs> is my uh, answer here. Look, I I think I err more on the side that what we saw last year the the tangible improvements in his finishing around the basket were actually real and you know continuable. But, you know, it was only one season where he played like 45 games because he was hurt a ton. And I suppose it's possible that the inconsistent sort of up and down trajectory of Powell's career before last year is maybe more of what the story of his sort of style of play is. But I don't know. It is just one game. It was all messed up because of the COVID stuff. And, you know, he still got called on to play in crunch time when the Raptors went small at the end there after taking Baines out and so I think Nurse still trusts him I think he's going to give him some rope and you kind of have to because like you said he's really important to what the team wants to do because not many people have the first step that he does or the explosion that he does or the ability to finish around the basket that he does and if he's not offering a ton then it's an extreme uh uh-oh for sure but I do think he'll probably get something. Maybe he's not the exact same efficient monster he was last year, but something close to it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only one game with some strange circumstances around it. So, yeah. But, you know, it's something to keep an eye on for sure because there is not a long-term sustained run of Norm Powell being a night-to-night consistent, okay, that guy's going to give you 15 on efficient scoring type of guy. It's uh, It's been a bit more rocky than that with him. So my eyebrows are slightly raised just a tad. Um, that brings us to the end of the first ever edition of Uh-Oh or Eh. No, uh, good job, Vivek, for indulging me in this dumb segment. Appreciate it. Uh, no, I think it's <laughs> going to be fun. To yeah hell yeah uh we're gonna continue on and i want to dive into the rotation a little bit and uh some notes on how nick nurse deployed his dudes last night and we'll get into that in just one second but first a reminder we have locked on bets for you available on the locked on podcast network it's a daily show hosted by your boy q the host of locked on raiders as well as lee sterling of paramount sports every single day giving you the lowdown on where to place your money where to put your bets down it is a great show if you are getting into for for example your new betonline.ag account so go check out locked on bets with your boy q and lee sterling today the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Vivek, let's uh, wrap this up and take a look at the rotation a little bit. 
we got the regular starters, you know, pretty high minutes for Kyle Lowry, 39 minutes, 39 for Pascal. I think that's kind of fine for him. OG at 36, Fred at 30, got some foul trouble early on, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong? No, I think he could hit. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and then Aaron Baines, 28, as we mentioned. Off the bench, the three guys off the bench that seem to make the rotation, Matt Thomas, Norm Powell, Chris Boucher, a little bit of DeAndre Benbury is the ninth man, and then a sprinkling of Terrence Davis and, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Redacted. Uh, Malachi Flynn and Stanley Johnson in garbage time. Um, so seems like Nick Nurse kind of got his way. The eight-man rotation seems to be what he's going to go with here. Do you agree with the eight he has settled on? Do you think it should be a little bit deeper? I mean, it's one game, so we can't say this is a pattern or anything, but he went pretty short to start last season as well, and he knows Powell, Boucher, and Thomas more than any of these other guys. Were you okay with his rotation choices? Would you have liked to see somebody else get in there to maybe sort of juice things in the third and fourth quarters? What do you think of Nick Nurse's uh, first regular season rotation? Yeah, I, I think it was fine for this first game. I know a lot of people wanted to see a Malachi Flynn. I think that's a tough situation to put a rookie in. I, I, I know he's looked really impressive, but to ask him to dig the team out of a hole in his first game. I, I do think that's a tough situation. I'd prefer him coming into you know, a, more, a more manageable situation. So uh, for the most part, I think I'm okay with it. I would like to see Malachi Flynn come on as the season goes along and uh, as he sort of learns from watching as well, the NBA level and just continuing to be under Fred's wing and picking his brain and picking Kyle's brain, obviously. I think his time will come. Uh, I think we'll get there. But for the most part, yeah, this is this is probably going to be it. I was encouraged by Matt Thomas's use of his gravity, understanding where his shots are coming from, understanding where he can set other guys up for assists is pretty impressive to me. And yeah, three threes, you needed every single one of them because outside of Pascal and Kyle, uh, I mean, those are the three guys that you really could depend on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, rotation-wise, I think this is what you're looking at for the next little bit. Bembry, if he can, uh, you know, I, I, I thought Nurse was eager to see what he could get out of him and then sort of shied away. I think that the more the Raptors were behind the eight ball, the more he was leaning towards, hey, I got to trust the guys that I know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I would assume there will be games where it's a little bit less close the entire game where maybe Nurse can experiment a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I frankly would have liked to have seen Flynn as well, not just in the second half, but, you know, I would have liked to have seen him be part of it from the start, frankly. Mm. I, I think the path to getting Kyle a more manageable minutes load at age 34 slash 35 this year is going to be playing Flynn a little bit more and you know maybe it's a leap of faith to trust that guy to fill in for Kyle Lowry minutes but if it's six minutes a game to help Kyle stay fresh for the postseason and to not drive himself off a cliff because he's so insane all the time and so frenetic and constantly on the edge of getting hurt I think that's probably a good way to go and also Flynn provides some things that the team needs yes it's a lot to ask a first-year player to you know, change the sort of dynamic of the offense and give them the half-court juice they need. But he's 
legitimately good at it. And it was the whole book on him coming out of school. And, you know, our pal Robel did a video about Malachi Flynn, I think, yesterday that was great and kind of illustrates all the strengths he brings and all of the exciting tools that he can provide to a team that could use those exact tools in the half court. And I would like to see him more. Uh, you know, it, it's rookies. You're gonna. Uh, we we don't really have a ton of a track record of how Nick Nurse handles rookies and what his view of young players is. The way we kind of know with a lot of other coaches how they approach young guys. But you know, Flynn is also not a young guy. You draft a dude who's 22. You figure you want to get as much out of that guy as you possibly can. And so, I would like to see him play more in some bench lineups next to other point guards to kind of alleviate the stress next to Fred to sort of do a combo stand-in role for Kyle when Kyle's on the bench maybe I don't know but there there has to be a spot there I know I know it's gonna be eight whatever but I I, I just there's too many dudes on this team who are maybe worthy of minutes and can do something useful to I think limit yourself to eight early on if I'm Nick Nurse but so the one thing I will say is we saw last yeah. season with redacted as well, right? Like, yeah. Over the course of the season, minutes came along because you know it was tough to leave him off the court, and so I think we could be in for a similar situation with Malachi Flynn, where over yeah. time he'll he'll get himself in there. Yeah, and like injuries and you know COVID cases will happen. There will be opportunity, I'm sure, probably more so this year than. Most other years for a rookie. Uh, so on the other yeah, end it, of it, it's one game. I will say with Kyle, the minutes thing is going to be interesting to see because he's as competitive as it gets. This is a contract year for him, and yeah, you know this is probably his last chance to get a multi-year deal. So asking him to sit on the bench too much this season, I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, and it's also the kind of team. I mean, we don't really know just yet. We haven't had a ton of a track record of. You know, can Fred kind of carry the team and be good if he's just the sole point guard on the floor not playing with Kyle? But the longstanding history with this team is that when Kyle's on the floor, they are good. And when Kyle's not on the floor, things are tricky. And if they want to win a lot of games in a tough East, you're probably going to need to play Kyle a lot of minutes. It's just it's the it's the very difficult sort of bargain you have to make in your head which is a few extra minutes for Kyle maybe they come back to haunt you maybe they don't but they will probably lead to more wins because he's really good and when he's on the floor things just feel a lot more right mm-hmm. so yeah um interesting stuff on the rotation I'm glad to see that it looks like redacted is kind of out of the the inner circle right now as well he had a pretty rough preseason so I guess he did himself no favors but um, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with Boucher, Thomas, Powell off the top, and then hopefully they can sprinkle in some Flynn and Brembury because I like those guys a lot, and I think they offer some nice tools and uh, elements that other guys in the team do not. Anyway, we've reached the end of this podcast, man. This was a lot of fun. It was great <laughs> to catch up with you. It's always great. Um, before I get you to plug some stuff, we have to pass along a message from our friends over at Coors Light. The Raptors have gone south, but Canada's support goes beyond borders. Coors Light is on a mission to remind Raptors players, coaches, team members, whatever it is, that wherever the home team is, the fans are there too. That's why Coors Light is helping Raptors fans show the team love by sharing messages from Toronto through a digital billboard outside the Amelie Arena down in Tampa Bay ahead of the team's opener on December the 23rd. You probably would have seen some of those messages last night on the broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. And... 
on the podcast all week long. We have been shouting out the fan message of the day that is appearing on that digital billboard down in Tampa Bay. And today, the fan message of the day goes to at herbs underscore T-O, whose message read, all of Canada is still cheering for you. Shout out to at herbs underscore T-O for today's Coors Light fan message of the day. And a big thanks to Coors Light for being part of the podcast all week long. All right, Big V, we have reached the end of this here podcast. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Uh, my usual stuff uh, at Complex and obviously at CBC, I'll be doing more of the Olympic stuff. So that's going to be a bit different. You can look out for that in the new year. And awesome. if you enjoy soccer, you can check out my Red Couch Banks podcast with my buddy Carl. And it's all about Manchester United. Go do that. Um, Vivek, you're the best, man. I'm glad to see you're, uh, you're just dipping your, your toes in a whole bunch of pools. It's great. I, I'm excited for your Olympic content for sure. Uh, that will do it for today's show. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Go check out the other Locked On Podcast Network offerings, including Locked On Leafs with our pal Mike DeStefano covering the Maple Leafs and their schedule, which was released yesterday, and it's pretty wild. It's just a full-on season of three-game series against other Canadian teams. It's going to start a civil war, and it's going to be awesome. So go listen to Locked On Leafs to get ready for the All-Canadian Division. I believe Locked On Leafs, Locked On Senators, and Locked On Canadiens did a little roundtable yesterday. If you want to go check that out as well, if you're a hockey fan, um, you can find my writing at RaptorsHQ.com. I wrote a piece about Aaron Baines this week if you want to go check that out. And uh, Basketball, my podcast with Katie Heindel, has a new episode dropping on Christmas Eve, too. Uh, it dropped before the real sort of heat of the Harden stuff yesterday but still it's quite good we get very Christmassy and fun on the episode as well you'll hear me conflate a Santa and Dracula voice so you have that to look forward to on a basketball thank you so much for tuning in hope everybody has a wonderful holiday if you're celebrating on Friday be safe be smart and we'll be back again on Monday to break down Raptors Spurs and our old buddy DeMar DeRozan who kicked ass last night by the way shout out to DeMar the goddamn king Uh, we'll talk about him and much more on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors Merry Christmas Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.